first lesson we learned from the book of Hebrews was that Jesus is a better picture of God. The second lesson that we learned from the book of Hebrews is this. It's that Jesus is a better prophet. Jesus is a better prophet. And, and uh, if you have your Bibles, let's read Hebrews chapter uh, 1. We're going to read verse 1 and 2 together. It says, um, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, and those are the days we're in, friends, the last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. And what God is saying there is that there was a time in which God uh, revealed himself through these men called prophets. And he revealed himself to these prophets in lots of different ways and at lots of different times, kind of all over the map in different places. But in these last days, God has chosen to reveal himself through a better prophet. His name is Jesus. He's the son of God. And so this morning, that's what we're going to study. We're going to look at why Jesus is a better prophet. We have four reasons for you. And here's the first. I want you to understand this morning that Jesus is a better prophet because all of the Old Testament prophets point to him. Jesus is a better prophet because all of the Old Testament prophets point to him. And do me a favor, uh, turn your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24. And as you turn there, I'm going to tell you what's going on. Guys, it is resurrection day in Luke chapter 24. We're going to be in verse 13. And, and what has happened literally uh, is it's the third day and the women have gone to the tomb and, 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 and they go and, and the stone has been rolled away. This massive, huge boulder that was sealed by Roman guards, it, it's been rolled away and they walk in and the linens are folded and in place. And, and, and they're going, wait a second, where did he go? Where is his body? And an angel of the Lord appears to them, right? And says, uh, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? And it freaks them out a little bit. And they run and they go tell uh, the disciples. And now all the disciples are freaked out. They're wondering what happened. And so where we pick up is two of those disciples are walking from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey. And Jesus shows up. And this is the account of what happens in that conversation. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. It says, now, that, that same day, that's Resurrection Day, two of them were, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, well, what are you guys discussing uh, together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and in deed before God and all of the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us what they had seen, a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. All right. Here's the deal. The tomb is is empty. The women have seen it. They've gone back and told the rest. The disciples are kind of freaking out. They don't know what to think. They, They had hung all their hopes on Jesus. And you see in their statement, we thought that he was the one that was going to come and, and, and save Israel. We thought that he was the Messiah, but they killed him, right? And so Jesus is walking along and, 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 that, and that's what he asked him. Hey, what, what, what are you talking about? Well, duh, don't you know? Where have you been? Did you just show up? Do you not know what's happened over the last three days? Jesus is just kind of setting them up and they begin to explain. This is what happened to Jesus. Um, He was this great prophet, but he was handed over. He was crucified. And Jesus says, how foolish are you? Did you not know what the prophets had said? Did you did you not read your Bibles? That's what he's saying. And then verse 27. And then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus opened their minds to the scriptures, explaining how they all pointed to him. Boy, that's huge. That's what he does. He shows the whole Bible points to Jesus. All the prophets point to Jesus. And so Jesus shows them that. I wonder if he started in Genesis, right? Genesis 3.15, guys. You remember when it, when it says that the, the, the offspring of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent? That's me, by the way. And, and then he begins to walk them right um, through uh, Abraham and Isaac. And do you remember how God provided the, the innocent victim? Remember how Abraham would say to, to, to Isaac, God will provide provide i'm that provision and and then he walks through exodus and he says you remember that whole passover thing and you had to have a perfect lamb and the blood of the lamb had to be slain yeah that's me you know how moses you call him your deliverer let me tell you about deliverance i didn't just bring you out of a country and make you a nation no i brought you out of slavery to sin and i gave you life right that's that's me and and i begin i believe he, he begins to walk on he says remember leviticus and how boring you thought that book was as it talked about the high priest and everything that he had to do and you had to hold the goat at this angle and cut it from this side to that. And guess what? Why all that's important is because I am that high priest and I have made the atoning sacrifice for your sins. And then I believe he, he, he pointed to Joshua and he said, do you remember Joshua? Now he led you into the promised land. Well, guess what? I'm here to lead you into the kingdom of God itself. That's why I've come. And he points to Boaz and says, just like Boaz was a kinsman redeemer for Ruth, so I am your kinsman redeemer and I am your brother now because my father has adopted you into into this kingdom and he points to to david and says the throne of david you've been waiting for that would endure forever guess what i've established that that's me too and isaiah the one that that looked and saw me seated on the throne yeah that was me and he said woe is me for i'm an unclean man i live amongst a people of un, un, unclean lips and, and my eyes have seen the king of glory right isaiah who saw the suffering servant he was looking at at me I am the advocate that Job prayed for. I'm the redeemer that he saw coming like Esther. I'm the mediator. Jeremiah talked about a righteous branch. Brother, you're looking at him. Can you imagine what the seven mile walk must have been like? As Jesus went book by book. Life. By life, prophecy by prophecy, and show them how they all point to him. 
That's why when it's all said and done, they looked at each other and said, were our hearts not stirred? Were they not on fire as he started to talk to us? All of the Old Testament prophets point to Jesus. Jesus is better because of that. They all find their fulfillment in him. Jesus is a better prophet. Second reason he's a better prophet. Ready? Jesus is a better prophet because he's not just a messenger. He is the message. He's not just a messenger. He is the message. You know, friends, all the Old Testament prophets, they were just simply messengers. And what that means is that that God revealed something to them. And then they revealed to the people exactly what God revealed to them. Now, it wasn't the prophet's job to interpret it. It wasn't the prophet's job to figure out how to apply it. The prophet was literally just a spokesperson for God. When God revealed it, they, they, he said, this is, this is it. This is what God said. And that's why when prophets speak, they say, God says this. God says that. God wants you to stop. God wants you to go, right? And, and they're just telling you what God says. But Jesus, see, they were just messengers, but Jesus, get this, he is the message. Jesus is the message. Jesus literally himself and who he is, is the revelation of God. Jesus is the one that all the other prophets were speaking about. He comes in the flesh and he's different. He's not just a messenger. He's the message. He is God's final revelation unto man. And I want you to see it like this. Open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. So Sermon on the Mount, if you grab a pen out of the pew in front of you, you're going to want to underline this phrase. It happens quite a bit in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. I've got it on the screen if you're trying to follow along. Watch this with me, okay? Matthew 5, uh, we'll start in verse 21 and 22. Okay, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder uh, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Now, what he's saying, go back for just one second. What he's saying is, is, listen, you heard it from a prophet. Okay, a prophet said, God says, don't murder. God says anybody that does is subject to judgment. That's what he's saying. You've heard it said that way. But get this. Then, then he says this. But I tell you, underline that phrase, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to him. He says, but I tell you, let's look at another one. Uh, Verse 27 and 28 says, you have heard that it would said you shouldn't commit adultery again. But I tell you, underline that. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in, in his heart. Verse 31. He says, it's been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Get this, verse 32. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Uh, Verse uh, 38, I believe. 38, right? Are we on 33? Okay. Again, uh, you've heard it said to the people long ago, don't break your oath. But fulfill your oath to the Lord, uh, the vows that you have made. Okay, but I tell you, don't even swear. Don't don't make an oath at all, either by heaven for it's God's thrones or by earth for it's his footstool or by Jerusalem for it's the city of the great king. Uh, 38. You have heard that it was said eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth again. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Verse 43 and 44. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. No Old Testament prophet could speak like that. None of them. 
They couldn't speak like that. They, they couldn't use the word I. They had to say, and God says. Because they were merely messengers. But Christ is the message himself. He's the revelation. He doesn't rely upon uh, something. Uh, he relies upon his own God-given authority as the living, active, eternal word of God. John 1.1. 1, 1. And so as he stands on his own authority, he says, but this is what I say. And guys, I tried to wrap my mind around that this week for you to try to give you an example of the difference between the messenger and the message. And this is the best I could came up with. I came up with a biblical example. I thought that was probably better, right? So follow me me like to December now. Luke chapter 2, it's Christmas time. Luke chapter 2, we read the story of, of... the shepherds out in the fields and, and angels appearing. And, and so here's the, the difference between uh, the messenger and the message is the difference between the field and the manger, right? The, the, the shepherds are in the field and the angels show up. And what do the angels say? They, 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 they declare, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, the angels are, are messengers, so they come and they declare the message of God and they're declaring, they're saying, listen, here, here, here's what God told me to tell you. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born unto you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, what do the shepherds do? Do they stop there and stand in awe of the messenger? Do they stay in the field and camp out in awe of the messenger? No, they do not. What do they do? They get up and they run to go find the message. They, they, they run to the manger. They run to Jesus. Why? Because the message is greater than the messenger's. Because the message is what it's all about. Jesus is the message. That's why he's a better prophet. He is the one whom everyone else points to. He's the one whom everyone else points to. It's a big deal. Jesus is better. Third reason that Jesus is a better prophet. Ready? Jesus is a better prophet because he reveals the full picture of God. He's a better prophet because he reveals the full picture of God. And this was really the essence of our, our time together last week. As we said, Jesus is a better picture. We looked at Hebrews 1.3, right? And it says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Colossians 1.15 says the sun is the image of the invisible God. Now, here's the deal. In the Old Testament, um, God revealed pieces of his plan, pieces of 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 the picture, if you will, to various prophets at different times. Just pieces. And, and, and so, and nobody got the whole picture. So God would show up to one prophet and he would say, listen, here's what I want you to tell the people. And, and sometimes, guys, these prophets didn't even understand what God had told them. They, they had no idea what it would mean that, that there was going to be a suffering service. They didn't know what that looked like. They, they, they had no um, idea of what God was doing. So they all they had was a little piece and they had to declare that little piece unto everybody. That's the way that it worked, right? But guys, in Christ, all of the pieces come together into one complete, full, finished revelation. Jesus is the exact representation 
of, of God in Christ. All the pieces come together into one complete, full, finished revelation. You see the whole picture and it all makes sense, right? Oh, I get it now. He'll be born of a virgin, right? Oh, I, I, I get it. I get it now. He's going to be marred beyond human likeness, right? I understand that he's going to be beaten for my transgressions and it's by his wounds that I'm going to be healed, right? I, I understand now what it means that he's going to be a man of sorrow. I now understand what, what, what the sign of Jonah is that as he was in the belly of the fish for three days, Jesus had to die and he had to be buried for three days and conquer death on my behalf. And Jesus now, I, I can see that he really came to set the captives free and that that was his point and that I am a captive to sin and that without Christ I'm dead. I understand what the innocent victim looks like now. That Jesus, who, who was completely innocent, stood there silent as, as they begin to attack him and, and put him on false trial and then crucify him, right? And I begin to see that he is my Passover lamb and why his blood is necessary. I get the fact that he's my high priest and that this is the atoning sacrifice. And that just one drop of that blood that the priest would sprinkle on the people, just one drop of that blood makes me clean. I get it. He did all that in the heavenly tabernacle, not in some man-made copy. He did it in the real deal once and for all. He's my once and for all sacrifice. In Jesus, we get the full picture, the complete picture. He's better because of that. You read the Old Testament, you get snippets and pieces and you begin to wonder, I, I, I don't know, I'm almost overwhelmed when I see all the prophets, prophets and all that they're saying. And Jesus, they all come into a clear focus. OK. Last reason, and this is a this is a doozy. Reason number four, Jesus is a better prophet because he is without error or sin. Jesus is a better prophet because he is without error or sin. All of the Old Testament prophets had problems, right? Moses is a murderer. Aaron, first high priest, hey, let me build an idol for these folks because Moses is taking a while, right? I mean, you just begin to think through. Jonah hated the people that God called him to preach to, right? He hated them and wanted them to perish. How do you like that for your revival speaker, right? Comes in like, oh, I hope all you guys go to hell. I mean, that's how that went, right? Jonah's like, I want them to burn. I don't want to be here. Jeremiah's full of doubt, constantly questioning. And the dude wouldn't stop crying, right? I mean, come on, Jeremiah. Get it together. The New Testament's no better. Ah, He's betrayed by one of his own. All of the disciples flee. Peter publicly denies him three times, right? Paul persecutes him and the church. And everywhere you turn, you see that, that, that everybody that God uses is, is this big moral failure. They have major issues. They all have errors. They were all sinners. They all had problems. But Jesus was perfect. He was without error. He's better. And while we're at it, this point, this one point above all others, is the one thing that separates Jesus from every other self-proclaimed prophet of our world today. See, because we 
like the people that received the letter uh, of Hebrews, we, like they, live in a culture where there are many voices and there are many thoughts about God. And there are many people in our world today that think that they have it all figured out. And a lot of those people have organized themselves into religion or into churches. And they, they, they have found somebody and declared them to be a prophet of God. And they follow this individual. But I want you to know that Jesus is better than all those individuals too. Do you know that there are, are 1.6 billion Muslims in our world today and they follow their prophet Muhammad? Now, now I, wanna, I, I just want to show you a little something about Muhammad. In, in the Sahih al-Bukhari, uh, these are recorded prayers of Muhammad in volume 8, number 335, 379, 407, and 408 are all prayers of Muhammad, genuine prayers of his in which he confesses sin. Now, somebody took those and translated and they synthesized them into what, what, what all these prayers combined would look like if we read it together. I'm going to read this to you now because I want, it, I want you to see Muhammad's confession. Ready? Here we go. Oh God, I acknowledge and confess before you all my sins. Please forgive them as no one can forgive sins except you. For, now, by the way, let's stop there for a second. You remember what Jesus said to the lame people? Before he said, get up and take your mat and go home, what did he say? Your sins are forgiven. I'm just saying, alright? Ah, there should be a confession in there. No one can forgive sins except you. Forgive my mistakes, those done intentionally or out of my ignorance with or without seriousness. Oh God, forgive my sins and my ignorance. Forgive my sins of the past and of the future, which I did openly or secretly. Forgive the wrong that I have done jokingly or seriously. I seek your protection from all the evil that I've done. Wash away my sins and cleanse my heart from all the sins as white garment is cleansed from the filth. And let there be long distance between me and my sins, as you made the east as the west from each other. Those are the words of the prophet Muhammad. And he, I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning, those are words of a sinner. Muhammad was a sinner. Like I am a sinner, and like you are a sinner. And yet Jesus is without error, and he is without sin. Jesus is better than Muhammad. He just is. There are 15 million Mormons in the world today. They declare their prophet to be a man by the name of Joseph Smith. A man by the name of Joseph Smith. He too recorded a few tidbits about his life. In fact, he actually wrote kind of an autobiography. The real story of Joseph Smith. Or it's Joseph Smith tells his own story is the name of it. And here's just a little segment from this, this autobiography-ish. That the Mormons have tried to change, by the way. But this is, this is what it originally read. Ready? During the spans of time which intervened between the time I had the vision of the gold plates and the year uh, 1823, having been forbidden to join any of the religious sects of the day and being of very tender years and persecuted by those who ought to have been my friends and to have uh, treated me kindly as if they supposed me to be deluded to have endeavored in a proper and affectionate manner to uh, have reclaimed me. I was left to all kinds of temptations and mingling with all kinds of society. Get this. I frequently fell into many foolish errors and displayed the weakness of youth and the corruption of human nature, which I am sorry to say, led me in, that's supposed to say diverse, into diverse temptations to the gratification of many appetites offensive in the sight of God. Joseph Smith 
was a sinner. He was a sinner. Just like I am a sinner and just like you are a sinner. And the church elevates him and says, this is our prophet. Listen, he may be your prophet, but Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He just is because Jesus is without error and he's without sin. There's about seven and a half million Jehovah's Witness in our world today. That Jehovah's Witness were started by their prophet, Charles Taze Russell. Charles Taze Russell, if you don't know anything about him, uh, well, he's a false prophet. He was a liar. Uh, he said Jesus was coming back um, uh, in 1874. said Jesus was going to come back. Guess what? Jesus didn't come back in 1874. So he said, well, you know what? My calculations must have been wrong according to the scriptures. So he recalculated Jesus was coming back in 1914. When Jesus didn't come back in 1914, he said, well, the reason that Jesus didn't come back, in your opinion, is really because it's going to be an invisible second coming. What? What? So the whole thing about the trumpets in the skies, like that's not, that's not, anyway, whatever. Okay, get this, let's continue. Now, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but this is the prophet of their church. Okay, his wife filed for divorce and in the divorce papers, which are public record, she cites that the reason she's filing for divorce is infidelity. Does that sound like a prophet, like a man of God unto you? 1911, he was sued by the U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, for false advertisement. He was selling uh, miracle wheat. And he guaranteed that the seeds from his wheat would produce ten times the crop of any other wheat seed. And yet they didn't. They won. He had to pay back every single penny. And this is the profit of that church. This is what I say to you guys. I, I, I don't say this. to. I'm not, I'm not trying to attack anybody. I'm simply here to say that Jesus is better than all of them. And, and the, the, the distinguishing characteristic that sets Jesus head and shoulders above anybody that we would declare a prophet or anybody that would declare themselves to be a prophet is that Jesus is without sin and without error. He always has been and he always will be. Jesus is better. So what do we do? When, when we begin to understand that Jesus is the greatest prophet, that, that, that Jesus is the best prophet, what do we do with that? Well, number one, I, begin, I believe with all my heart that we, we, we trust him. That has to be step one is you've got to trust him. If, if Jesus really is better, if, if he really is everything that he says he is, if, if he's perfect and without error, he's without sin, if he is the message of God, not just the messenger, if he's the full picture, if he is the, 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 if the whole Bible points to him, then you've got to trust him. And I, I love you with all my heart, but some of you never have. Some of you have trusted in yourselves and some of you are trusting in your retirement. Some of you are trusting that somehow you'll be good enough. Some of you are trusting like like your grandma's faith because after all, she was a Christian. Thus, the whole family has been raised praying at meals. Well, praying at meals isn't going to cut it, man. Because the bar isn't good. The bar is perfection. And there's only one prophet that was ever perfect. His name is Jesus Christ. You need to trust in him, not in yourself. You need to trust in Him, not in your good behavior. You need to trust in Him, not in your own thoughts about life. You need to trust in Him. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna encourage you this morning. I don't know what's held you back, but you need to trust Him. Now, some of you are Christians. You, you walk under the name and title Christ. That, that's who you are, and yet you still don't trust Jesus. Some of you trusted Him with, with eternity, but you don't trust Him with tomorrow. Repent. If you trust Jesus with your eternity, you have to trust Him with your tomorrow. 
You can't say, well, I trust you with the stuff that I can't know or think about, but I can't. I, I refuse to trust you with my house payment. It doesn't work that way. You've got to trust him. Number two, you've got to listen to him. He's a better prophet. What's a prophet? A teacher. Someone that reveals the truth of God's word. So if Jesus is the better teacher, the best teacher, then we need to sit under his teaching. We need to listen to him. We, we need to read our Bibles, friends. The whole Bible points to Jesus. I ran across this this week. It upset me. 2012, Lifeway did a survey of, over, uh, of just about 3,000 Protestants. This is what they found out. Only 19% of them read their Bible daily. Only 19% of people living, breathing, walking under the name of Christ read His Word daily. Like the greatest prophet that there ever has been or will be, who is the message, who the whole Bible points to, right? I mean, His words are right here for us, and yet we're not listening to them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If you saw a loved one driving by their house, you saw the lights on and you could tell they were over, they were over in the living room and they're having a good time and, and yet you could see smoke coming out of the garage, kitchen area. Would you just keep driving? You would stop that car, you'd bang on that door. If that didn't work, you would back up that car and you would drive through that door. You'd make sure that they knew, listen, there's a fire back there. You'd do whatever it takes to make sure that they listen. Friends, I say this because I love you. We need to listen to the word of God. I'm going to say this to you in love. If you're not reading your Bible on a regular basis, what's that? Let's call it daily. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle more than you ever should ever need to. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to heed the words of Jesus. Read another survey. It was from the American Bible Society. They, uh, they said the average Christian in America has 4.4 Bibles in their home. Okay? But get this. 57% of us read those 4.4 Bibles less than four times a year. Can you imagine? We need to listen to Jesus. He is better. He, he is better than every other. Think about the voices that you listen to. Who's in your Facebook feed? Right? I mean, you just find, what, what voices do you listen to? Like, who's on the television for you? I mean, because there are some terrible voices out there. I'll talk to you about them in a second. But, but, but Jesus, is, but he's the one we need to be listening to. We've got to. Which brings us to our last point, okay? We need to guard ourselves. We need to be careful what we are listening to. We need to be careful what we are listening to. When, when somebody like Joyce Meyer says that she stopped sinning. Red flag. Maybe I shouldn't read her material. Because she stopped sinning. I mean, evidently. When, uh, when Joel or Victoria gets up and says that worship is not really about God. It's about you being happy. Don't buy another book. Not unless there's repentance publicly for the public statements. 
What about your self-help books? I talked with somebody this week and I talked with them in love. But they were looking for something. There's something in their life. There was a problem. And so they called and I was sharing with them biblically. This is what the Bible says. They said, but what do you think about this? They read me a quote from a self-help book. How do I know it was a self-help book? Because it wasn't biblical, not even one iota. And it was so well written. I mean, this author was like poetic. I mean, it just rolled off the tongue. It sounded so good. It just made you feel good. I said, you know what? That's great. But it's junk. You know, you can be the best author on the face of the planet and still be a complete moron. Right? I, I'm just in love. And I didn't tell her that she was... I, that's not what I said. I'm just like, listen... It's not biblical. I know that that, I know that that scratches your itch. I know that, I I know that you probably went to the self-help shelves and you opened every book to find one that that would agree with what you were already thinking, but what you're thinking is wrong and you need to repent of it because this is what Jesus says. God bless you. That's fun conversation over the phone. Some of you've never met. Jesus loves you, but you need to repent of this. Guys, we, we have to guard against these other voices. And for some of you, I'm, again, I'm, I'm just going to say in love, Oprah, hello. No. No. People think I'm joking when I say Oprah is the Antichrist of daytime TV. I believe it with all my heart. She, she, she believes that whatever you do, you're just going to get to God. Just do it. Well, guess what? Whatever you do, you're going to get to hell. Okay. That's not how that works. Like to get to God, there's only one way. His name is Jesus. You can't deny him. You deny him before men. God's going to deny you. Right. It's kind of a big deal. So so let's let's so so you think about the other people. Dr. Oz. Right. Oh, my gosh. That man talks a lot. I mean, goodness gracious, every day he's on a new, like, jaunt. And this is the big thing of the day. And you've got to change your life and you've got to do this. Shut up, Dr. Oz. Stop trying to sell me your products. Jesus is better than you. I will not buy into your fear tactics for life. I'm going to buy into Jesus wholeheartedly because one day he's coming back to redeem all things and make them right. You got it? All right. I mean, and, and, and let's go on and on. And you name it. I didn't even know Dr. Phil was still on TV until I was at home on Friday and turned out. I was like, what are you still doing here, man? Come on. Haven't we retired past you like 10 years ago? I didn't even know you still did this. Right. We have to stop listening to everybody else. We've got to guard ourselves. We've got to turn to Jesus. Friends, I love you. Jesus is better. If you're tired of of where you've been and what's been going on, may I encourage you, would you turn to him? He is a better prophet. He is better. He is true. He is right. He is just. Would you pray with me?